Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Since Walt Disney World has opened in mid-July, you may be thinking that you want to visit Walt Disney World and visit during these very strange times. We're not here to tell you whether you should or should not come, that it is a decision that you need to make on your own, but we did want to have a discussion about how each of the parks are operating differently during this time period. The offerings are so different from attractions to foods to the feelings to the character experiences and everything else involved. So that is the point of our discussion today. We're going to break those down. We also asked our friend Colleen from WDW Park Planners to join us. Colleen joined us back in episode number 142, where she shared all about her Disney planning business. We love the work that Colleen is doing. And she also just returned from a trip at Walt Disney World. So she's going to be able to fill in some of those gaps that Catherine and I cannot as far as traveling to Walt Disney World, using the transportation, staying at a resort. So Colleen, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to introduce yourself to our listeners who have not caught your episode before, please do that. And then we'll jump into it and have this fun discussion. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be back. I can't believe it's been this long. Feels like we just did that last episode. But um, no, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk, especially after spending a week down there last week. Um, But, you know, just to reintroduce myself, you know, my name is Colleen Bentley. I'm the owner of WDW Park Planners, which is a Disney concierge vacation planning service. Um, So what that really means is I work with my clients from start to finish on their vacations. So that means everything from getting them booked, you know, resorts or whatever their accommodations are going to be, um, making sure we get their tickets purchased and linked to their accounts. And then I do the dining reservations, park reservations, fast passes, hopefully those come back. Um, And then what I do from there is really create a customized itinerary. So I literally go line by line. Um, and tell them the best order to follow when they're in the park. So they have this nice little guide to fall back on and use when they're there. And um, I create corresponding park maps. So it's really easy to follow. Um, But everything is completely customized um, to my clients and to their family or whatever group is traveling. So um, my goal is really just to help them enjoy their time in the parks. Um, And the silver lining and everything going on, you know, the last few months has really been that my service you know, the value add is even there even more. Um, Things have been changing so quickly at the parks. I feel like we get new information from Disney. You know, it was almost every week, every day for a while. Um, So it's really important to have somebody to stay on top of all those changes and details for you. So um, I think that's been a huge value add for my client, especially these last few months. So, um, so that's where we're at right now. Oh, yes. Changes aplenty for sure. And we're going to dive into all of that. And really the first thing that me and Brendan can't speak to at all is traveling. You know, just what that process looks like from getting from point A, wherever it might be that you're at, to Orlando. And Colleen, you came from Chicago, correct? Yes. We flew from Midway to Orlando. 
So what was that like? How was flying? It was good to be back in a sense, but it felt very different, obviously. Um, That was our first time traveling. I think my last time flying was in February. So it had been a while. Um, But we had a really great experience with Southwest overall, um, which we always do. And um, my husband travels for work. So um, we have companion pass, we have points. So we usually don't ever pay for our flights, which is great. Um, but we love flying Southwest and they did not disappoint in terms of safety precautions. We felt very safe the entire time. Um, our flight there was interesting. It was only 19 people, which felt really, really empty. So um, we did share a row, but you know we were pretty spaced out from everybody else, which was great and which is what I wanted. Um, So we wore N95 masks at the airport and on the flight. Um, So we felt a little better with that. But we also packed our own um, like cleaning essentials. So we brought our own wipes and hand sanitizer and that kind of stuff. So I had like a big Ziploc bag with all of that in there um, for the trip. So it was for the airplane. And then we used some of that at the parks as well. And we can talk more about that later. But, um, you know, so we wiped everything down when we got on the plane and then, you know, we just kind of hunkered down and it was, it was fine. Like it, it went pretty quickly. It's, you know, a little over two hours for the flight. So, um, you know, it goes pretty quickly. Um, but you know, they don't have regular services and things like that on the flight. And, um, so it just, it had a different feel to it, but it was nice to travel again. I was surprised Midway airport was pretty busy. We flew out on a Sunday afternoon, and it was busier than I expected. So that almost, you know, that made me nervous at first. I was like, oh gosh, you know, what are we getting into? Um, but then once we boarded the flight, you know, we were totally fine and there was nobody there. So um, I was just surprised to see the crowds at Midway. But coming home, it was empty at the airports both ways. So um, I don't know what Sunday was just a little bit busier than, you know, other days. Um, but overall, no, we had a, a pretty smooth experience flying. Um, so yeah, it went well. We did fly during our move in June. We did fly from MCO back to Nashville to to get one more load of stuff and bring it down here. And and then, of course, we drove back down here. So I feel like we can talk a little bit of the comparing and contrasting of that. And I honestly think that because with driving, you have to stop so often for food and for gas and for restroom breaks and everything else – it was almost like our exposure was higher driving than doing than them flying. But I don't know. It's also, you know, how much can you socially distance in a airport? But I think that's probably a conversation that many people want to have that for us, that was a 10 hour drive. We stopped probably four or five times. And so each time there's a, there's a risk involved with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd say we just prefer flying anyway, so it's kind of hard to say which one is better. But 19 people on a flight, I mean, you cannot beat that, I feel like, as far as even just like feeling safe. Because I feel like even when I just go to the parks, that's always how I kind of compare, you know, like how I'm feeling is just like the amount of people around you. So I feel like that has to, you know, make you feel good in that situation. Yeah, we felt really comfortable going there. And then the way home, we had 60 people, which sounds like, you know, it's three times as many, but it still felt really, really empty. And 
I, I don't even think I realize how many people can fit on a flight until you are there. And it's like, oh, wow, there's, you know, 60 still, but everybody had their own row. And we were still able to keep a row in between from, you know, other people traveling. So it's a lot more space than you realize. So next thing, talking about transportation, once you got to the airport, you guys decided to forgo Magical Express, right? And you took an Uber or Lyft? We did. Yeah, we used Lyft um, to and from the airport. And then um, we were at Beach Club for the first part of the trip. And then we were at Margaritaville off property for the last two nights um, because we ended up extending our trip. Um, So we ended up lifting quite a bit those last few days, which was okay. You know, I didn't love having to lift always, but I guess in terms of why we decided that for the Magical Express, um, we'd heard some not great things that it was taking a really long time. And um, it ended up working out for us because we ended up switching flights. Um, So it could have been a potential hassle for us when we got there um, because of that. And um, lift, you know, you're there in like 20, 25 minutes, which you can't beat it. And, um, we ended up getting a park reservation for Epcot that day and went to dinner that night. We got in at like seven thirty or eight and walked over to, um, Epcot from the beach club. So that was part of it too. We like getting there quickly and it was fun to be able to kind of sneak in for a quick dinner. Well, and I feel like even to just continue that discussion about flying versus driving, then I can see the other side of it is that if you drive there, then you don't have to rely on Disney transportation at all mm-hmm. once you get down here. And obviously I think that's an advantage and a, and a point that you could get into some tight spaces. So what modes of transportation did you use and were there pros and cons of, of each ones? Yeah, we took um, from the beach club, the bus to magic kingdom and animal kingdom And then we took the Skyliner to Hollywood Studios. And then we obviously just walked to Epcot. So um, the friendship boats were not running while we were there, which usually we'll take that to Hollywood Studios. And that's quicker than the Skyliner is. Um, But I'll start with the buses because we took that the most. Um, I felt very safe on the buses. They have um, sections like divided up. So you're only sitting with your group and they have the plexiglass in between. And the buses, they run frequently enough where they were never overly crowded. Um, I think one time we had a close to full bus. Um, But even so, like, again, you don't realize like when, you know, pre-COVID, there's so many people standing on the bus and everybody's like crammed in there. So eliminating that, you'll already feel like there's so much more space. Um, And then with the dividers, um, you know, in between each group you know, you are pretty, pretty distant. So most of the time the bus was less than half full. Um, there was one time we even had the bus to ourselves. So, um, probably, you know, that's more rarity, but, um, you know, we felt pretty good on the buses overall. Did you feel like it took them a longer time to reach you? Cause I know just like on a typical day, it says they run like every 20 minutes, did it seem to take longer or shorter since they were doing all the social distancing? So I had seen, obviously, I was like watching everybody's Instagram stories and following along to, to see what it was like beforehand. Um, and I had seen a few instances where people had to wait like over an hour for buses to come. We never did. Um, I don't know if we just got lucky and timed it well or Disney's kind of working through those kinks of all the um, cleaning measures and they're, you know, making things move a little quicker than they were when they first opened. Um, but I would say it was pretty normal. I mean, 
again, pre-COVID, we even had those instances of having to wait half hour, 45 minutes, you know, for buses and that's normal circumstances. So this didn't feel different. You know, we never had excessive waits, which was great. I guess coming home from Magic Kingdom, um, you know, when you're staying at the beach club, you have the luxury of being able to jump on the bus to the boardwalk, which is what we did once because it was there already. So I don't know how long we would have ended up waiting for the beach club bus. Um, but we always like to take advantage of that. So we never experienced longer than normal wait times, which was really great. And if you are coming down here, I do think it's worth getting a feel. And I know many people are covering this and you can probably find it online. Some resorts are very empty at this point. Some resorts are packed. I say packed in quotations, (laughs) packed for the current standards, like a pop century, because everybody who booked a value resort is kind of being funneled into there unless they chose to upgrade. So I think you're, you're the, the results are probably going to be everywhere across the board, just depending on what your actual resort is. Cause I know our friends from part of our world podcast talked about that they had a car, so they didn't have to deal with it, but they saw gigantic lines at the pop century bus stop. So oh, might be different. Yeah, I think that's a valid point and one that I never would have thought of. But it does make sense that if there's more people, it's going to take a longer time. So let's talk about the resorts. You mentioned you stayed at Beach Club. Did you... Obviously, Beach Club is in a unique situation because it's right up next to the NBA bubble as well. Uh So I guess, A, did you notice anything... I know the pool was closed, but did you notice anything else that was peculiar that's different from a normal resort experience or, you know, just overall, how was that situation? Yeah, it was quiet there. That's for sure. And I think um, the Stormalong Bay pool area does bring so much life to the resort. So it was definitely a different feel being there. Um, It was still really magical walking into the lobby. I'm like, that's our favorite lobby smell. Um, We have the candle burning all the time here at home. Um, So we love that. And so you're still getting those, you know, normal touches of magic. And um, but I think overall, it was really, really quiet. And you can only stay there um, if you're DVC members, which we are. And that was how we were able to book. So we were in a studio villa. Um, But yeah, it was it was very quiet overall. The NBA you know, there's the big barriers blocking, you know, in between the beach and yacht club. So that was kind of funny to see. Um, you couldn't go past a certain point, which then we realized is why like the boats aren't running and, um, why the pool's not open and all that. We didn't even know about that. Really. I didn't think that through in advance. Um, and then we got there and we're like, Oh, that's why. Okay. So they really have this like tight bubble created, which was kind of cool to see. Um, but it didn't affect our stay negatively. We still, you know, it was kind of nice having it quiet. It was different, but um, I mean, we're rarely in the room anyways. We were at the parks most of the time. So um, no, we had a great stay at beach club and just being able to walk to Epcot is one of my favorite things. So, um, and even from our balcony in our room, we could hear all the sounds of Epcot. So that was really fun. And we could hear like when the character cavalcades were going by because the music changes. So, um, so it was still very magical. We're so jealous. I know that is so fun. Even so we went to Epcot and we didn't actually get to see any of the characters, but just the music that they played when like the frozen 
cavalcade yes. walk oh, by. It's the best. What a dream to hear that from your room. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. I love sitting out there. Um, it was really nice. We could see the top of the Eiffel Tower too. That was it. It was all like trees and stuff, but then just like the tip of the Eiffel Tower was peeking out. So it was it was pretty awesome. We've got to stay at an Epcot resort soon, Catherine. I know. It's been on our bucket list for a really long time. But DVC members, I mean, the secret's out. Everybody loves yeah. those resorts. <laughs> so they're hard yes, to get. They are. So I think, unless Colleen, anything uh, jumps out to you of maybe that would that would be part of that Disney experience that Catherine and I don't get to experience right now. I think maybe next we could pick up with actually going to a park. Is there anything else that you think stands out that, that we're missing right now? Um, the only other thing was the Skyliner. So that was really our first time. Well, we rode it once before, but first time like staying at a resort where we could ride it to different locations. Um, I noticed it was a little slower and I, I think it was because of cleaning. Like when we were taking it to Hollywood studios, um, that morning, it was pretty slow and steady. It took us a while to get there and longer than we were planning for. It took like a half hour, which doesn't sound like a lot, but, um, when sometimes we'll just walk to Hollywood studios, um, and that takes, you know, less than 20 minutes, usually 15 if we're like power walking, but, and the boats are like less than 15 minutes too. So that was just something I kind of noted and was like, Hey, I wonder why it was, you know, taking so long. And I do think it could have been because of cleaning procedures um, we didn't really see any cleaning, but it just kept stopping and starting quite a bit while we were on it. So just one other thing we noticed transportation wise, but coming home, the Skyliner was really easy. It took less than 20 minutes. So, um, yeah, we enjoyed taking that transportation. It was kind of fun. We, we've never done that before. Well, and in the morning, especially you cannot risk like a 20, 30 minute. Oh yeah. I was freaking out. Issue. Yeah. <laughs> because even, I mean, it's just like that adrenaline, like panic mm-hmm. that you feel trying to get over there and through oh the gate. Oh my gates. gosh. Yeah. And especially with the rise of the resistance virtual boarding queue, I was like, oh my God, we're not going to make it. Like we're not going to be able to do it at 10 o'clock, but it all worked out fine. It was all good, but you just have that moment of panic. And, um, we are such planners, obviously. So we had given ourselves a lot of time and then it was just taking much longer, but it all worked out. So it was fine. So we got to let our listeners know, did you get your boarding pass? We did. Oh my gosh. Ben did it because I, I like crack under the pressure. It makes me so nervous. <laughs> I'm like, you do it. Like you handle it. We got boarding group four. So, um, we did something right. Or Ben did, I should say. Um, yeah, so we, we, our group got called right away. So, um, we had started to get in line for Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway. And then our group was immediately called. So we just jumped out of line and went and did that first. So it was it was awesome. We've been to Hollywood twice. We've got 12 and 13, right? Yeah. Oh, that's Both good. times they call our boarding pass and then it gets shut down. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, I don't know no. what it is. Maybe we're bad luck. I guess we're bad luck. I mean, we got to go back and do yeah, it. Yeah, we ended up doing it. But it was oh, just funny that it happened both times. But so the first thing I think, obviously, Going to a Disney park right now is a very, very different experience than many of us are used to. And I don't think any of us are really here to say whether you should or should not go at this point. But I do think it's worthy of having the discussion of maybe you only have one day. Maybe you're traveling through the area and we can talk about what each park is offering, what the feeling of each park is to maybe, you know, 
give you the information that you would need to make a sound decision on that. Because I do think that there are many differences between them right now. And it's, and it's not really at the point where it's just, which is your favorite park? Because I think there's special things going on that make each individual one uh, different. So I want to start with the temperature screenings and security. Temperature screenings, I think you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. They're the same across the board. They're, um, I guess Magic Kingdom is the only peculiar one because it does take place at the TTC. Well, that is a good question for you, Colleen. Where are they doing them for buses? Um, right before you get to security, they have... I'm trying to picture it now. Yeah, it was right when you get off the bus, you walk, you know, there's the area before security. Um, so I think that was where we came from the contemporary one, one of our two Magic Kingdom days as well. So we went through that side, um, the, the special side entrance, um, which was really easy. But yeah, it was very easy at Magic. At that side one, did they just have like one person working or how did they do that? They had two people there. Um, and there's like, it's such low crowds coming from that direction, but they, they just keep it moving so quickly too. There's maybe one group in front of us. Um, but that was something I saw across the board. Like we never really waited to get the temperature check. Like we really walked up and it was an immediate thing and we were cruising on through. So, um, yeah, magic was no different. The only place we've had to wait at all for temperature screening is Hollywood studios. Oh. It is because we've, been last minute like and everybody there <laughs> is rushing to get in before 10 to get rise but that but even then the line looks really long and i think this will be a common theme throughout this entire episode the lines look really long but they're not at all and they go super quick and that it's almost like a a mind trick as well because you're constantly moving because there's so much space that you have to cover I feel like they seem like they're shorter than they than they are as well. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. And, you know, just like you said, Colleen, I think, you know, you get through super quick, you know, and your whole family gets to go up together. So it's not like they really just do like one at a time, which I think helps. But then even just security, too, I felt like that was super thinned out. And I don't know if it's because people have to go through the temperature check first or because of all their new like technology. Yeah, I mean, so they do have new machines almost everywhere. The very first day we went to Magic Kingdom, I don't think they had the new machines, but I think they have them since, at least at the TTC. Um, So new procedure is pretty much you carry your bag through with everything in it besides any large electronics like a camera or or if you're bringing an iPad or a laptop, you do you if you want to do that. Or metal cans like sunscreen cans or my lovely sister-in-law forgot to tell me that she had a LaCroix can in the backpack that I was carrying that she packed. (laughs) And so I had to unpack my entire bag because it set off the (laughs) system. So those are really the only things that you have to take out. The rest you carry through. So I do think that has expedited the process tremendously. Yeah, we never waited once going through security. The other thing you have to take out, though, is umbrellas, which um, basically they would make us hold it and just like you stick your arm out in front of you. So the umbrella goes through first and then you walk through normally. So 
Uh, that was funny because we just we always had an umbrella with us because it did rain every single day almost. So, um, but no, overall, I don't think we ever waited in a security line or a temperature check line. So, I'd seen you know again following along with people's trips um, before we got there, I did see those really long lines or that looked long but moved quickly. But we never experienced that. Yeah, I would say most all of them we've we're in the gates within ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's yeah for sure ten minutes. And then of course all the parks are the same using touch point entry with just tapping your magic band, no fingerprint scanners. Did you have any issues with that? No, it was super easy. Um, ben accidentally touched the fingerprint thing the first time we went through it. Epcot <laughs> and the guy, the secure or the uh, cast member that was there. It's like, oh, now I have to clean it. And we were like, oh, shoot, sorry. <laughs> but um, other than that, no, no issues. So it was very easy. But it is weird to not like do the fingerprint thing because you are so used to it. It's just habit. Um, and they have the little plastic coverings over them, too. But if you don't look closely, like it still kind of has the imprint for the finger part. So I, I was like, I get why Ben did it, but it was funny. Yeah, we we it's been flawless for us, except we did go to Epcot last night. And that was the only issue it gave us. It went blue for me, but the guy still sent me through. And then I, I thought, well, well, I don't know if it took off my park reservation. It did. And I still got the notification of welcome to Epcot. Like, we're so glad you're here. Here's our safety measure. So he must've oh. just manually pushed it through. Yeah, yeah probably. Anything. <laughs> so Sanitation. Again, this is so like you almost have to get ride specific on this. But were there any parks that have stood out to either of you that were an extra risk or were better than the others? Or what do you think? I feel like I noticed more hand washing stations at Magic Kingdom. Um and I didn't notice them at the other parks quite as much. And I almost wish they had more of those out. Um, but same thing with like the hand sanitizer before and after rides. I feel like it was really obvious. And um, there were a lot of them at Magic Kingdom. And then I don't know why, like when we were at Epcot, we would get off of attractions. And I was like, wait, where's the hand sanitizer? I like couldn't find it a few times. Um, it was either like tucked at the end or, you know, some of those are longer coming, you know, longer walkways coming out of the attraction. So, um, I just noticed Epcot. I, a few times caught myself like, Oh shoot, where's the hand sanitizer? But we also always had our own. So, um, you know, it was never really an issue, but yeah, just one, those were the two, I guess that jumped out at me. It's funny that you mentioned because those are the exact two that kind of came to my mind too. I think even if just you think about sanitation as a whole. I feel like in Magic Kingdom, we saw a ton of, you know, custodian type workers whose entire job was just to walk around and wipe things down. Like mm-hmm. we would see them just wiping down random fences or poles and, you know, like columns and just like random things that I guess kids touch, but, you know, you wouldn't really consider high touch areas. And then in Epcot, I didn't really see that. The one thing that I noticed that was different in Epcot, and this kind of gets into like social distancing, but they would have just random cast members whose entire job was just to stand there with a with a sign that said, if you are eating or drinking, you have to be stationary. 
You don't know if it was their entire job, let's be fair. <laughs> I saw those at two, that, though. <laughs> at that moment in time, that was their role, was to hold the sign and walk around and enforce that. Fair. Yes. <laughs> I'm with you. I just don't uh, – they probably have something more to do as well. But I, I do think uh, – yeah, I noticed that in Epcot as well. But I also think that might have been a time factor is that that's been the most recent one we've been to. And as they've been kind of still ramping up security, it seems like they haven't relaxed on anything whatsoever. That maybe maybe we'll start seeing those in more of the parks. The it, and again, I had the same thought. The one attraction that I thought specifically did not have hand sanitizer was Living with the Land. Oh, I think you're right. I don't remember seeing any at all. It, it's such a narrow area to get off of your boat and to exit out of the gates but it's really long Mm -hmm. so maybe like horizontally so maybe it was tucked in a corner somewhere and we didn't see it but those should be like big arrows light up signs Mm -hmm. like here i am please use me i did see them in the queue for living with the land but not when we got off Hmm. interesting and really nothing specific stands out about Animal Kingdom or Hollywood Studios. Uh, I feel like they were just kind of, I guess, average. I mean, they were good. I felt safe at both of those parks. I feel like um, besides Epcot, Hollywood Studios made me the most nervous because I expected there to be the most people, but I didn't ever think like it was bad. Well, that does lead into the next topic of which parks do you think it was easiest to social distance at? I, I still don't know. I don't know if we're supposed to be saying social distancing or physical distancing. So I just always <laughs> say both like interchangeably. So I hope someone can tell me the correct one to use. But did, you, did different parks feel different as far as the ability to spread out? And because I do think, and I heard you say this on your stories earlier, Colleen, saying some of it is up to you. Like you have to make decisions mm-hmm. about what areas you want to enter into and which areas you do not want to enter into. Um, so were there any parks or situations or specific areas where it really was out of your control that that there was nothing you could do? I think it was overall like, The hardest times to social distance were, and I think that's the right phrase, so I'm going to use that, but um, we're getting off of attractions. Um, That was where we tended to see people kind of bottlenecking, like everybody's getting off Space Mountain at the same time. And, you know, even if there's like only two other people, like you're all kind of walking together um, and there's people coming off on the other side too. Um, So I think that was a time when we were like, okay, we need to be really conscious of, you know, where we're walking either. Like we need to get off right away and be the first ones off. So we're kind of like beating the crowd or we just hold back until everybody has gone by and then we go. Um, so again, it's just like being very aware of your surroundings and aware of other people's actions because it is so easy to get caught up in like the magic and excitement of it all and just like keep walking. And Ben would have to like pull me back sometimes because I would just be like cruising, you know, you get into like your normal routines there. But um, so we just tried to be very aware of our surroundings. And um, so getting off of rides, I think just overall at all four parks was the time we noticed it. We also noticed it at um, mobile ordering just across the board again at all four parks. Um, 
when people were waiting to pick up their orders, they tended to congregate pretty close together um, near the pickup or wherever it was. Um, so we honestly didn't do mobile ordering. Um, it, the one time we were like seriously considering it was at Animal Kingdom. Um, and it was uh, Pongu Pongu, the little walk up over there. And we were going to go get breakfast. Um, and there were like all these people waiting around. And then there's nobody in the normal line. Like you can still go up and order. There's plexiglass there. So we literally walked up, placed our order, had our food in about 30 seconds and like kind of got out of there. So um, again, it's just being aware of your surroundings. Like the mobile ordering is great a lot of the time, but that was just where we noticed crowds overall. I would agree with exiting rides. We've noticed that as well. Like Slinky Dog stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Everybody bottlenecked and going. It's especially those rides where the exit queue has you go through gates. Mm-hmm. You know, and they so they have three or four gates, and everybody kind of struggles to do that. It's also a thing where you kind of have to break the manners that you've learned because <laughs> I've always been taught you hold the door open for the next person. Uh huh. And you can't do that. I know. I'm like yelling. I'm like, let it go. Let, you just got to let it go. They'll catch it with their own foot. <laughs> I'm also bad because the very first time we went to Magic Kingdom, we were leaving the TTC and someone just like flung the gates open getting off of the ferry boat. And it came back and smacked right in front of this mom with her stroller. So Aww. I was like, it's worth it's worth breaking social distancing to make sure that this kid doesn't get smacked in the face with a gate. So I think you just have to be careful. If you're going to let it drop, let it drop gently. (laughs) Cause it was like spring loaded. It seemed like, cause it smacked in there. But, uh, man, I feel like we have all the same notes because it was the same thing. Cosmic rays was an issue for us. We mobile ordered and kind of everybody standing around Pecos bills, same way mobile ordered everybody standing around the other issue that we have had now twice is when it rains mm-hmm. people lose every yeah. sense <laughs> of what social distancing means yeah it's happened twice where we found coverage and we we're just going to wait out the quick rainstorm it's it's summer in orlando it's you know that three o'clock rainstorm is going to come in and it's going to be gone in 15 minutes we found our places to wait it out, and almost every time we get crowded by people who are also seeking shelter. And I don't, I don't know how you can avoid that other than just getting wet or finding somewhere ultra secluded. I know. That's basically what we had to keep doing is, you know, we would find a spot, we'd be there for a while, and then everyone else would find it too. So we would just like keep hopping our way through World Showcase is basically what we had to do. So, I mean, I agree. I think a lot of it, you know, you just have to kind of make decisions for you. And if other people are sitting on the benches that say, do not sit, then, I mean, the only thing you can do is leave. Yeah. And it's kind of unfortunate because you want to tell them to follow the rules, but I I don't think that's going to happen. I think almost you just have to take it, in your own hands and you have to, you have to walk and find somewhere else. You have to bring an umbrella and be a responsible adult. (laughs) like Yeah. We, we always have our umbrella. We have our ponchos. Um, so like you guys, we, we would throw our ponchos on right away and just kind of walk until we found space. 
Um, but then you're exactly right. Like people would just start to crowd you slowly as the rain continued, because we had a few days where it rained for more than the 15 minute, you know, rainstorm. So one of them, you know, one of those times we were lucky enough to be stuck at Nomad Lounge at Animal Kingdom. So like that was totally fine. But um, there were some other days where it was just a lot of rain and it's hard to find shelter. And um, one of the days we ended up, it was one of our Magic Kingdom days. We ended up just going back to the resort and taking a little break for the afternoon. And then we came back at like 430 when everything had passed, just because it's really hard to like keep your distance there. And that was... Uh, it was pretty noticeable. So um, it's just, again, about like doing what you're comfortable with. And so we just decided to leave and come back later. I'm almost a little thankful. It happened to us at Epcot. So we were hanging out in Italy and mm-hmm. that that like perfume shop that has the overhang with the benches that that cover both sides of it. We were sitting there properly social distance and then you just swarms of people kept coming in and standing in spots that they weren't supposed to and sitting on benches that they weren't supposed to. So we were forced to leave. We made it all the way around to Japan. I really wanted Violet Saki. So we went to, what is the quick service called? Oh, I can't remember. I don't know. Cause we didn't like it. So we don't usually go back there, but it was the perfect, little hidden spot. I don't think there are actually benches. I think it's just part of the building, (laughs) but we used it like a bench. So it was nice and covered like back in that little garden. Yeah. So, uh, Katsura grill, that's what it's called, Mm. I believe. So, yeah, I, I think that's, would be maybe my tip is that there's always more spots to find and maybe you just have to search for them a little bit more. But the other thing was when it happened to us in magic kingdom, and people crowding us. We just ordered, I think like an order of French fries from Cosmic <laughs> Rays just so that we could run in there and grab it. And then we went to their outdoor seating that was covered. And they were not letting people who were not eating into that area. So it was really nice because we were the only people out there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good tip. So thinking yeah. about just the other parts of the parks, just things that are unique right now. I think the biggest thing that stands out are the cavalcades because each park has them and they're all a little different. So which one stood out to you the most, Colleen? Oh my gosh. I loved all of them. Like I really hope after all of this passes that Disney keeps these cavalcades because they are just like so much fun and the spontaneity of it just... I don't know. It adds like a a new magic that we haven't really felt at the parks. And again, as like a a planner who's like, okay, the parades at this time, fireworks are at this time. Like that's, you know, part of what I do for my clients. It was so fun to have some spontaneity like in the day. Um, And it almost makes it more fun to like see the characters. You're more excited about it. Like, oh my gosh, like we saw Mickey so many times, um, probably more than like any other trip ever before. So that was really fun. Um, But my favorite was... I like the ones at magic kingdom um, because they come down main street and just like watching them come down with the castle behind was like so awesome. And it just felt very normal. It almost felt like normal parades. Um, So you kind of forgot everything else that was going on um, for a few minutes. Um, But we, I feel like we saw the goofy one so many times and I don't know why. Um, It just, it seemed to run very frequently or every time we were near main street, that was the one coming by. And I love the song in that one, the party up song. And it got stuck in my head, you know, every time we saw it, 
Um, but I think my favorite, favorite one was the um, Princess Cavalcade. Just because I had such an awesome experience, we were back in Liberty Square um, where there's like very few people hanging around and uh, one was coming by with all the princesses on it. Um, so I like ran over to go see it because um, we hadn't seen that one yet. And I was wearing a birthday button because we were supposed to be there in April for my birthday. So I'm like, I'm still wearing a birthday button. So um, each of the princesses like singled me out and wished me a happy birthday, which was just like so cool. And the fairy godmother was on the back and, you know, she turned and wished me a happy birthday. And I just, it was like being a little kid again. It was just like really magical and fun. And um, it's fun to see that many characters at one time. So um, the princess one was my favorite. I do think that's the best part of these cavalcades is because it's not like a typical parade setting. You do kind of get that one-on-one with each character. And even though you can't like talk to them or hug them or take a picture with them, I mean, it is almost like a more personalized experience. Well, yeah, it's like they're reacting to each guest as they go by. And I think Magic Kingdom was my favorite as well. And especially because a lot of times they're finishing their their cavalcade and then they're going up to the train station and dancing for 10 minutes and waving at you. And that's the same thing. Like you can tell they're looking at you, they're reacting to you, you wave at them, they wave back. And that's something that on a typical Disney day, you don't get many experiences like that. I'll also point out I had two princesses flirt with me. <laughs> so I'd score that as a win for me. Oh, well, small wins. I think I definitely liked Magic Kingdom. I would agree with that. But I also really liked Animal Kingdom because they were on boats. And I feel like that's not something that's very typical. Like, I don't know on a normal day what they would even use that waterway for. Because I don't ever think I've seen anything there. But I thought the music in Animal Kingdom was really good. So that would maybe be my favorite. I think Hollywood was the place that we had the toughest time catching the character cavalcades. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because we spent so much time in Toy Story Land or Galaxy's Edge. We just weren't up on Hollywood Boulevard very often. And they don't turn down Sunset Boulevard either. Mm -hmm. So you don't see them if you're back near Tower. Colleen, did y'all have a good... Did you get to see all of them, you think? No, we didn't get to see the Pixar one, which I was kind of bummed about. But same as you guys, like we were in Galaxy's Edge or Toy Story Land and not right there um, in the area where they were running. We were lucky enough to see um, the Mickey one, which I really liked, where they're in the convertibles. So that was fun. Um, And again, like so much interaction with us. Like I think I was wearing a mini shirt that day. So like Minnie was excited and, you know, Mickey was pointing at me and you just don't get that normally. So it was that was really fun. Um, and then we saw the Disney junior one, which is okay. I'm like, I like kind of know who the characters are. There's only, I think three in that one, but so that one was less interesting to me, but a lot of my clients, you know, with young kids, like they're all about the Disney junior. So I think, um, other kids probably appreciated it more than I did. (laughs) I do know we got to see the Disney junior one from afar, but it had the most catchy song. I can say that it is a very catchy song. But uh, we got to record it and send it to our niece. So I know she appreciated Aww, that. So yeah. cute. Um, did you guys see the Pixar one? We ba- did. By 
pure luck. Yeah, because we were waiting and waiting and waiting just because we had been there all day and we didn't get to see any of them. So we were like, oh, you know, if we just camp out over here, kind of just right in front of Runaway Railway, we were like, surely it'll come by soon. And it was not coming by. So we were just like, okay, we're going to give it five minutes and we're going to leave. And right as we were leaving, the music changed. So we ended up seeing it right up front at the gates. Yeah. Aww. So like we heard the toy soldiers start their drums mm-hmm. and the cars start up. So it was really cool to see them right out the gate. And the same thing, every single one of them stopped and posed for us and waved at us and, and did everything. So it was a really cool experience. Oh my gosh. The other place, I know we're not really qualified to speak on Epcot. We saw the frozen one from afar. We were like standing at Figment. Yeah. And we could just, we could, based on the music and we mm-hmm. could see Elsa walking. We knew that's what it was. And then it was a downpour. Ah. So we did, they, I think they canceled them for the rest of the night. Yeah. But, oh, shoot. Um, yeah. That one was pretty good, actually. So we were, um, they come out of Morocco, spoiler. Um, so if you stand over there, you can see them come out of the gate. Um, and we could see they like hold, they have guys walking um, alongside Anna and Elsa holding like the big poles with like flag things on them. Um, I'm not being very descriptive, but they, you could see it above the gate. So we knew they were coming out soon. Um, so we kind of stood and waited there to see them. And then the music changes. Um, and it was, that one was one of my favorites too, actually just the music is so fun in that. And I just, I love Anna and Elsa. So I feel bad. And Elsa has to walk. It's, it was hot that day. It was like really, really boiling. So I felt a little badly for her. Mm. But that's, I didn't know that they came out of Morocco. I guess I would have just assumed that they would have come from Norway. Like in between Mexico and Norway. Yeah. Is that where they go back in? I don't know where they go back in, honestly. Um, I I would think they just go back in Morocco, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, Mm. Yeah, so... If you wait in yeah. Morocco long enough, they'll eventually come out there. So it was kind of fun to see the beginning of it, too. Yeah. We did get to see Pooh and Joy. From a distance. From Every a time distance. we walked up to them, they were leaving, and I wanted to see Winnie the Pooh so bad. But then quickly, some of the other just character experiences that you could get off the top of my head, and you guys can probably remember some that I don't, in Galaxy's Edge... Uh, Kylo and the stormtroopers are doing their normal thing up on the stage in front of Kylo's ship. And then Chewie and Ray and V mm-hmm. are on the resistance side walking around. And uh, we had a really good interaction with Chewie and Ray. Mm-hmm. Your sister was wearing a cookies and Wookiees shirt. So <laughs> Chewie really liked that. Yeah. Um, and then. In Magic Kingdom, Stitch is in Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. And now my now I can't remember any else. Can you remember any others in Animal Kingdom? Were there any others? We saw, uh, oh, Chippendale in um, Frontierland at Magic Kingdom. Um, they go by on the raft by like Tom Sawyer Island back there. Um, yeah, we were trying to ignore that one because we're super salty that we didn't yeah, see it. Yeah, we never saw that one. Oh, shoot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was cute, though. Um, 
that's the only other one that I'm thinking of. As you're like listing those off, I'm like, oh, shoot, I didn't see that one. I didn't see that one either. And I felt like we saw so many, but I think we saw a lot of the same ones, which is kind of funny. So. Well, and like you said, I mean, it, it is so random that it's almost like you can't go and like plan to see, no. you know, Stitch. It's just, mm-hmm. you just got to be in the right place at the right time. Yep, exactly. Did you guys ever see the um, marching band come down Main Street? Again, from a distance. <laughs> we were like at Pirates of the Caribbean and we saw them come out of the Frontierland Gate. Oh, yeah. We could hear them, mm-hmm. but we couldn't make it up there in time. I, we could have went to Main Street to catch them, but we decided not walking. to. walking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot. No, we liked that one. We saw that one. We just, again, I feel like we got lucky with, we were at Main Street a lot. We did, we had lunch at Tony's um, both of our Magic Kingdom days. We ended up going back our second Magic Kingdom day just because it was so great. Um but so we were, I feel like in the magic or in the main street area quite a bit. And we did catch a lot. Oh, and Tinkerbell. That was the other one. Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So that leads me into the next thing, food. And I'm going to be completely honest. Food is probably the thing that I'm most disappointed in right now when we go to Disney. And we don't have to talk about each and every one that's closed and what the offerings are. I would say, that the taste of food and wine, isn't that what they're calling it? It's not mm-hmm. food and wine, but yeah, it's like, just the, like the baby version. It was good. I felt like the portions are always small at those festivals. I felt like they were even smaller at this event, but there are no lines. Yeah. Um, but I would just say we found we're, we're big on snacking in the parks and snacking is not, very easily accessible, I don't think, right now. Lots of the little one-off carts or, you know, places that are not an actual quick service dining location seem to be closed. So I would just try to plan ahead because you've never seen devastation like me whenever <laughs> Cheshire Cat Cafe was open. It was closed. Oh, we love that one too. But um, that was one of my biggest takeaways too is we ended up doing a lot of sit-down lunches, which – You know, sometimes I recommend to my clients anyways, just because it's a nice break in the day. But now it's even more necessary to have like an hour where you're sitting inside, AC, no mask. Um, And because a lot of the like walk up carts and snack places are not open. So um, we would find ourselves like going long stretches like, oh my gosh, we haven't eaten. Like, I think we had one Mickey pretzel the whole week we were there, which I'm we get those like maybe every other day, I would say at least. And um, like the ice cream parlor on Main Street was closed, which I was really bummed about. Even it, just when trying to think of like which parks have the most food offerings versus the least. I mean, I can't even pinpoint it because you want to say like, I feel like Epcot is going to have the most just because of the festival food. So I feel like they have an unfair advantage, but it did feel like everywhere that we would typically eat at, it was closed. I think Hollywood already has limited offerings on food and even more were closed. So I would say Hollywood probably has the least and probably tied with Magic Kingdom. We found it, we have found it very difficult to eat at Magic Kingdom. Yeah. So I don't know if I would say you need to plan on probably we don't normally do like a big meal or anything and we don't normally do sit down restaurants. 
um, we kind of reserve those for special occasions now that we're down here, but we've not been good about that so far. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Every day is a special occasion now. But it, it is just difficult. You kind of have to do a lot of planning out. It's not really something you can do on a whim, I think, like you used to be able to. Yeah. So next would be attraction offerings. Do any parks stand out of having more or less attractions being offered at this time? Ooh. Um, I almost feel like it's kind of a tie between Animal Kingdom and, well, no, I'll just say Animal Kingdom. I think Animal Kingdom, because they're not doing their shows like they typically would, it felt like there was less to do because you would typically spend a good amount of time either at the uh, Festival of Lion King or at the Nemo show. And that just wasn't happening. Um, so we noticed the same thing at Animal Kingdom. For us, it's usually a half day park, but it was even more so now a half day park. If that, I feel like we were able to hit all the big attractions in two to three hours. And we rode a lot of things twice. Like we walked right back on Flight of Passage a second time. Um, so I was kind of bummed, like Festival of the Lion King is my all time favorite show, um, in the park. So I was really bummed to not see that. Um, and that's like a half hour show, um, plus waiting time and all that. So, you know, that's a decent amount of time in the day, but, um, I think the most normal feeling park was magic kingdom for us just because so much was open. Um, and it was just less noticeable that things were closed. I think it's only um, Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. Um, the People Mover was closed, but I don't think, I don't know why that was not open while we were there. Um, so it's very few things that are actually closed. Um, so I felt like Magic Kingdom had the most to do that we noticed. I would agree. I think, and that's why a lot of these wait times are lowest in Magic Kingdom, it seems like, uh, to us at least, when whenever we've visits because the people are really, really spread out. And I think we're probably have bad examples because we've been to Hollywood studios both times on weekends and both times it's, you know, you're going to wait for Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway and slinky dog. Um, at this point, it's not a long wait, but it is a, it's a different picture than Magic Kingdom, I think, or even Animal Kingdom, which to me, Animal Kingdom is so weird because they are, there's so few offerings, but they're all walk-on. Like Everest was even down the entire day that we were there and Flight of Passage was still a walk-on, which is bizarre. Baff- yeah, it's baffling. Well, did you guys notice, like, I feel like the wait times on the app were not accurate the whole week and it really bothered me because we'd be checking and... um you know, it would say like 45 minutes for something and it never was. So it was a good issue, but then vice versa. Sometimes it would say five minutes and we'd get there and it was actually like 20 minutes for things. So I don't know. It was as someone who like kind of relies on that a lot. Um, it bothered me all week that the app didn't seem to be very accurate with the wait times. You do just kind of have to play that game and it is so weird because you're used to them being very accurate so I don't know if they just haven't you know figured it out yet or if it just like ebbs and flows so quickly that they can't quite keep up yeah. but you know it's almost like as soon as it 
goes to a shorter wait. Like the one that stands out to me was Smuggler's Run. Uh, we did that at Hollywood Studios, and I think it said like a 25-minute wait. And it was probably pretty close to that. It was probably like 20 minutes. But it went from like a 20-minute wait to, I mean. I think it was 55 whenever we got off. Yeah. And I just think they're having a hard time regulating like what it it's supposed to be. Because I think they probably have a pretty clear like picture of, okay, this is what it would look like on a normal day if it was 45 minutes. But with all the social distancing, I don't know if that's messing them up. I honestly think probably what they're doing is trying to factor in is that you will be stopped for a cleaning at some point during your ride. So I feel like every mm-hmm. single one is boosted by like 10 or 15 minutes just so you're not upset when it does happen. It's happened to us a couple of times. It happened to us on Seven George Mine Train and it was 10, 15 minute delay while I cleaned it. But on the other hand, you're also kind of excited. It's like, <laughs> I know I'm getting freshly cleaned carts <laughs> yeah. to go on. That is nice. I also wonder too, if they like use the wait times to kind of disperse the crowds and get people to move around a little bit. So I don't know, but I always, that kind of crosses my mind. Like, okay, maybe they're trying to like shift the crowds around to keep people socially distanced. I mean, that's a very Disney thing to do. (laughs) I feel like. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, they obviously have seen, and this kind of goes back to the social distancing. If there's not markers there, people really struggle to grasp (laughs) the concept. It seems like. And so I, I think you're probably exactly right. If they see that, like Peter Pan is the one that stands out to me that they don't have too many going outside of the queue right now. And so if they see it getting crazy out there, they probably boost it up to try to deter people from getting in that line and going to something like mine train, which has the most markings I have ever seen in my entire. Did you see how far they went back, Colleen? Yes, they went so far. We rode it first thing our first day. That was our first attraction at Magic. And um, so we walked right on to wait. But yeah, it goes super far back. It almost makes a complete circle around the entire attraction. It is insane. It's mind boggling. Which is almost like, okay, what kind of crowds are they expecting? (laughs) I don't know. But, But I would say... Are we all in agreement that just pound for pound Magic Kingdom has the most to do to fill up more of your day? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Which one, Catherine, you say Animal Kingdom has the least? Well, I see now I'm also kind of thinking Epcot. I think it depends on your goals. Are you there to eat or are you there to do attractions? If it's just attractions, it's probably Epcot. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'd say if you're there just for attractions, probably still Epcot, but it's probably Epcot on a normal day too. Maybe it's a tie. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It is. Um, So next would be just kind of a – this is so hard to capture, but I think most people listening know what Disney feels like. And the emotions that it pulls out of us. And, you know, that's honestly why so many of us go back time and time again. Do you think, for lack of a better term, I know this is what everybody calls it, the magic is still alive right now? And is it more so or less so in each individual park? 
I felt the magic the entire time we were there, um, which was awesome. I mean, like super cliche, like walking down Main Street when we first got there, I was crying like a baby the entire time. I'm like, thank God Ben's like behind me, can't see. (laughs) I was so emotional. Um, So that was the park I definitely probably cried the most at, which I'm not a huge crier, but like it just gets you like we had waited so long to be back. And um, so we were super excited and happy and it just like felt good to be home. Um, So that park overall, I think for me was like the most emotional and I felt the magic the most there. Like I said before, it felt the most normal to me. Um, And then also I like got really teary coming into Epcot but only when we came. So when we switched over to um, the Margaritaville resort, we came in through the main entrance at Epcot. Um, and I got really like teary coming in that way too. I don't know why, but um, so that park, you know, coming in felt magical, but overall, just because so much was closed there, I feel like it lost a little something for me. Um, so it was like kind of disappointing because we love Epcot so much and Again, because so much was closed um, and we weren't able to do a lot of our favorite things and go to a lot of our favorite spots, it did feel a little less magical in some ways. Um, so, you know, those were my two. Hollywood, I love either way. It's probably one of my, like, I love going there for all the attractions, but it's not like my must do. Like, I have to get back to Hollywood Studios. But we, our day there was one of my favorite days of the trip. Like, we just were able to do so much. Um, and then Animal Kingdom felt pretty similar. I missed, like I said, the Festival of the Lion King show is one of my favorite things, but it still felt magical. It was definitely quieter. So that's a little weird and you lose a little bit of the buzz of the park, but, um, it was still, we had a lot of fun. My, if I had to put them like into two different groups, I would say Animal Kingdom and Epcot felt a little off to me. And I think I would attribute it to not having the entertainment cast members that you would typically have and the cultural representatives. I do think I said this as a joke last night, but I did kind of mean it, Catherine, when I said there's something a little off about going to the Mexico booth and getting your food from Larry from Louisiana. Like, (laughs) it's just it's a little off and it's nothing against Larry. It's just you know, you're not as ingrained in the culture. I don't think like, and I think I definitely felt that in animal kingdom as well, especially in Africa in like, yeah, you always have those performers there. And there was a cast member doing wood carvings. Mm-hmm. So like you, you got some of that authentic art feeling that you get, but there, there was something missing. I think, whereas in Hollywood and magic, it doesn't rely on that aspect as much. So I think those felt much more normal to me. I think magic probably feels the most fulfilling in that role. But to me, Hollywood, like it's all about the music mm-hmm. and it always hits for <laughs> me. Like it, that I could sit on Sunset Boulevard for hours and <laughs> yeah. just listen to the music. What did you think? I mean, I I agree with everything. I think the magic is still very much there. I think, you know, you have to go into it knowing kind of what you're getting, that it is a modified experience and that, um, you know, everything's not going to be 
what you've maybe experienced in the past, but I think, you know, like the characters that we talked about, I think they add so much magic. I think the cast members who are just, you know, every single one that we saw and talked to were just beyond excited to be there. I think that adds some extra magic. And I mean, it's all like, it's all there, you know, everything that you would, I guess, hope to get from being in a park. I feel like that hasn't changed at all. So last question I have, if you could only visit one park for one day right now, which one would it be? I'm going to go with magic kingdom. Everything we've talked about already, you know, it feels the most magical. It feels the most normal. You know, you, you could spend days there and we had such a blast, you know, writing everything multiple times, which we rarely get to do. So um, I think for all of that and, and the character cavalcades there were my favorite. So um, I would go with magic. I know. I think I have to pick the same one just because there is just so much to do. I mean, like you mentioned, Colleen, like in some parks, it almost felt like, you know, you can't spend a whole day there. And especially if you were on a vacation or something and you obviously want to spend the whole day in the park. I mean, magic is just the easiest go-to. And I do think they have the most characters there that are just kind of out and about. I would say, yeah, I'm going to say a different answer just so we get some variety. But <laughs> I I understand everything that you're saying. The only thing I would say about magic is think about your food. Because I Harbor House is closed. I know that's a staple for many people. So it's really Cosmic Rays or Pecos Bills. Pick your poison. Pinocchios. Or Pinocchio. Okay. So there's a few. But like I would maybe consider doing a Tony's Mm -hmm. or maybe doing a Kona Cafe and going across to the Poly or the Grand Floridian Cafe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So just doing something like that because Pecos Bills is fine, but (laughs) it's not Harbor House. That's how (laughs) – But I would say Hollywood Studios, just because the number of attractions that you can get done in that park, which typically have gigantic wait times, we will probably, after this period of time is over, I would be shocked if we could ever do Slinky, Runaway Railway, Rise, Smuggler's Run, Toy Story Mania all on the same day. And that's not even to mention that we didn't even do Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster when we could have. We just chose not to. Yeah, we just tapped out. So just the sheer number of quote-unquote e-ticket attractions that you can get done is is kind of unbelievable, I think, at this time. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. Even though, you know, we mentioned that's the park where you kind of do have to wait the longest I mean, it's it doesn't even compare or touch, you know, some of the wait times that you would probably typically see. And I will say I've heard online people have complained the most about Hollywood Studios, about social distancing. We haven't had any issues. Every line that we've been in, everybody's been following everything to a T. I will say Runaway Railway. We had a family behind us who I don't know 
their brakes didn't work. <laughs> they they just blew past their marking every single time. And they were yeah. right on top of us. Yeah. But that could happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that was specifically Hollywood Studios' fault, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Any other thoughts? I don't think so. No. I think we covered some good topics. Covered a lot. Because I do think (laughs) there's a good chance that if someone's coming down to visiting, maybe you're not going to be able to do all four parks. Maybe you just have a weekend or or maybe, you know, at this point it is kind of hard to justify a full-priced park ticket to go somewhere where you're not going to get your bang for the buck. So hopefully we can help in that discussion. So Colleen, I want you to please share with our listeners where they can connect with you online. Yes, I am on Instagram and Facebook, WDW Park Planners. And then my website is wdwparkplanners.com. So um, you can find me at all of those locations. And um, if you're interested in using the service, there's um, a contact us on the website that you can submit a form or you can just DM me too. That works. Perfect. So we love what you're doing over there. We sent some clients your way. I don't know if they've traveled yet. We'll have to talk about it after. (laughs) I haven't checked in on that. But um, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, if you want to learn more about Colleen's business, you can do that in episode 142. We will be back on Monday with another interview with our friends, Danny and Tony from Mouse Park Insiders, a really wonderful podcast that they have going on. So I hope you can tune in for that. Hope you have a great weekend and we will chat with you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.